It's the first Monday of the month and the first Monday of the year. It is our monthly Q&A show. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 278. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. And for those of you who are joining for the first time, welcome. Once a month, we open up the show to questions that have come in from the Coaching for Leaders community and Coaching for Leaders listeners. And uh, this month, as always, Bonnie Stahoviak is here joining me in studio to tackle some of these questions. Hello, Bonnie. Hello, Dave. So we've got a whole bunch of questions here to get started with. Let's go ahead and jump in, first of all, to a question that came in from one of our Academy members, Tyler. What do you think about the presence of, quote, justified anger? in the workplace. Some may also call this intensity, passion, etc. But I think there are differences and I'm specifically referring to what I believe is rightly called quote anger, close quote based on specific facial expressions, word choice, volume, nonverbals, etc. Is there a justified place for this kind of reaction at work? Is it effective? Or is there a better way? I've never been a fan of yelling, fist slamming, pointing in people's faces, etc. I think you can get your point across just as well or better with composure, but firmness. I just happened to walk by our sales team and saw the director straight up publicly laying into his two inside sales managers. Would love everyone's thoughts on this. Well, Tyler, thanks so much for the question. And as someone who has felt anger in the workplace, I I certainly hope there is some justification for it in some way. I do think there is a difference between having anger and being out of control with your emotions. And the situation you've just described here of walking by and seeing someone publicly laying into people, that to me sounds like being out of control. And I think that when we use anger in a leadership situation, it, it, and I'm not even sure if using is the right term. Um, I think one of the things that's really key for us as leaders is to be authentic in whatever way we can be. And people get disappointed. People get angry. And so there are times that that anger is justified. If something's happened that, that justifies anger. Um, but I think that as a leader, we need to step back if our emotions have the best of us and wait until we can get to a point where we can communicate that anger in a way that we're not going to get emotional and we're not going to be yelling and banging the table or whatever things that you know many of us have, if not seen, heard of happen in the workplace. So I think there's a clear distinction between that. And if it is a situation that your emotions have the best of you and you're not in control of them, I think you need to step away for a period of time or go for a walk around the building or whatever it is or or sleep on it. Uh, that's a tactic I've certainly found helpful over the years is you know if something really frustrates me or gets me angry uh, in the workplace or even personally is uh, just to take time to uh, sleep on it and you know d- decide the next morning what I'm going to do about it and who I'm going to communicate with about it. So I think the other thing that's key as well here too is I think there's also a place to be careful about who the audience is 
And so there are times that certainly anger is justified. It's also really important from a leadership standpoint to make sure we're communicating. If, if we are going to communicate anger and we're going to communicate disappointment, we make sure we're clear on who that audience is. So uh, if there's the, the biggest mistake I think I've seen over the years with this is there's one person or a small group of people in an organization that the leader is angry at for good or bad reasons, and that anger is communicated to everyone in the organization. And I think that that is um, both unfair, but I also think it sends a very confusing message to the organization. Uh, if there's an issue with one person or with one entity within the organization, um, that's something that should be addressed with just that person or that entity versus communicating that anger more broadly. So Tyler, I hope this is helpful to you and gives you a sense of something that you might um, utilize in order to navigate situations where anger comes up in the workplace. So uh, let's get, go on to our next question here. It is from Yanko. Yanko says, I'm a Bulgarian who has lived uh, in Germany since 2014. I've been listening to your podcast for almost a year and I'm grateful for it. You lead it so well. Uh, Q&A with your wife, Bonnie, is very helpful and all the guests are so interesting. See, Bonnie, you're very helpful. I'm an electrical engineer and I'm working as a builder of machines right now. I'm very new in this role and it's very hard for me because now I'm driving every day for about two hours to work and back and we have a child who is two years old and I want to spend time with him. I've changed so much now because of this work, and I have some fear that if I can make it much longer, I'm not getting exercise, enough time for reading, no social life, etc. I've had time to think about this year and realize what I want to do as work. Leadership has always been the subject which has interested me, and I found this podcast. I've read about your work, and it's got me thinking about coaching. I would like to start up with coaching and uh, to take some other courses for leadership and self-improvement. I'd be very grateful if you could give some advice on the journey uh, which I want to go. It would be a complete career change, and I have some doubts if I can make it. I don't know yet exactly which is the proper way to do it, but my goal is to create an academy and help people all over the world to be better versions of themselves. Coaching would be just one of those instruments. Uh, Bonnie, uh, thoughts for Yanko? Well, I first want to start out by saying that that it sounds like a really challenging situation. So any advice that I have to provide is certainly done with humility and recognizing what a challenging situation that you must be in. We, Dave and I have two young kids. Our youngest is about to turn three and we've got another about to turn five, which is really crazy in my mind to even consider that. <laughs> but it it's tough. I think we have to recognize that the factors that you've described of your life, having a young child, the extent to which you're commuting and then doing something that it sounds like you don't have a lot of passion for that can be really challenging. I have some advice for you, but also just want to say that I'm in solidarity with you and hoping that you are able to find ways to become free from at least some of the circumstances. Let me just start out by saying one of the the things I was thinking about was just the ability to get curious about things. That is a way in which I have seen people being able to better themselves in a lot of different areas and starting small with that. If you are, as you say, you're an electrical engineering engineer and you're building machines, are there areas of that that you can get more curious about, perhaps even on the business side of things? So oftentimes, if you have that technical expertise, being able to then translate that into helping you become better at the, the more conceptual pieces that 
companies like the one that you work for really need that could really help you transition into higher levels of leadership. So how does this whole business work? Instead of thinking of how do the machines work, but how does the business work then? How, what are the profit margins? What does the industry look like? And, and learning a little bit more about that could help you be in a position to move into management, either in a company like yours or just growing your conceptual skills can help you move into any one of a number of types of leadership roles. When I look at your situation, I realize I have some biases around this, but a commute of two hours every way, I would I would just think, is there anything that can be done to change that? I would be wanting to spend time every week to see, are there jobs closer to home? Is there an opportunity for you to move closer to the work? That's four hours a day. And boy, if I had four hours a day back into my life, it'd be a lot more time to spend with our kids. It would be a lot more time to exercise and that could make an enormous difference to you that would just be transformational in every area. One of the things that really resonated me about what you wrote is your own ability for having a grand vision for yourself. And it reminded me of reading Viktor Frankl's book, which if you haven't read yet is just such a fabulous one. It's called Man's Search for Meaning. And if you're not familiar with it, it it was a man who was imprisoned in the concentration camps during the Nazi regime. And he writes about how people can take from us all of our freedoms. They can take our freedom with of our social environment. They can take our friends and loved ones away from us. They can take our food. They can take our money. But the one thing that we have left is that ability to have a vision in our minds of what may be. And what really stood out as you wrote here was just this vision for being able to help people all over the world to be a better version of themselves. And I love how you're both doing that for yourself. And at the time that you're doing that for yourself, you're thinking about how you might do that for other people. So that was the other thing I just want to commend you for having articulated that. And I would just encourage you not to let that candle sort of die down and just to hang on to that. I mean, certainly let it evolve if you start to find other passions, if you do start to get more curious and and discover more aspects of, of what you might do. And then this kind of is a little bit counterintuitive. At the same time, I'm suggesting that you keep your dreams and your goals alive. I also want to suggest you maybe to also really start small on things, to start thinking smaller about things rather than that it all has to change completely. Can we do small, small changes? An example of that would be you talk about not having enough time to exercise. Dave and I are recording this podcast at 11.20 a.m. And we have visitors right now as we record and there's not you know, a ton of time to like go down to a gym and start you know, completely working out. But I just went for a 10 minute walk. It was 10 minutes. It was right around our neighborhood. There's like a perfect walk that's exactly 10 minutes. And I feel more alive after doing that. I feel like I have a clearer head after doing that. And it was 10 minutes. And all the experts talk about if we do 10 minutes three times a day, that's the same thing as doing a 30 minute workout. And that is something you can do even with your child, go for a 10 minute walk and and combine the desire to spend more time with your two-year-old to the the desire that you have to do more exercise. I realize that as soon as I say this, (laughs) I'm going to be proven wrong and that's okay. I can handle it, but I can't imagine there's a workplace where you work as a builder of machines where you can't take a 10 minute break and do a brisk walk around the building 
or around wherever your workplace is. So that would be another way to squeeze in a little bit of time. What if you left 10 minutes earlier for your two hour commute and did a 10 minute walk before you started work? I think you might find that that little tiny changes like that might add a lot of energy and vigor back into your life. So there's just a few thoughts. But again, I, I really just encourage you to think about that commute again, and to think about how you might get more curious about what it is that you do and, and about the industry and the business and are there ways to leverage some leadership opportunities there. And I also encourage you to start small. Well, I'm going to jump right on exactly what Bonnie just said is uh, starting small. And we've seen again and again on this show of the experts of creating new habits, creating new behaviors, whether it's in leadership or any other part of life, in this case, your career of starting take one action. So uh, Bonnie's suggested a whole bunch of things you could potentially do that help with some of these areas. Um, and of course, we don't know the right way, but just get started. So start with one of those today and do that for three or four or five days uh, until it starts to become a new habit. And as you've incorporated that as a new habit, then you take on the next small thing. So we're not necessarily encouraging you to think small for the purpose of thinking small. We're encouraging you to think small for the purpose of ultimately driving a behavior change that allows you to do bigger things. And uh, one of the best examples of that I can remember from the show over the last year was when we had Adam Grant on. Adam Grant's a professor at Wharton and most recently the author of the book Originals. One of the things that he talks about in that book is there's this classical assumption that most of us have specifically with entrepreneurs and since you talked about doing something entrepreneurial of you know entrepreneurs taking you know taking huge risks and quitting their jobs and then going and um, kind of risking it all in their their pursuits and when you look at actually and he's done this he's looked at the research of the most successful companies out there and entrepreneurs who have really created something very original and and have it be sustainable over time is they were doing what Bonnie's described is they were taking very small steps. They were being um, somewhat risk-averse and not putting all their eggs in one basket, and they were doing something on the side. And so um, this fits right in with the advice of doing something small, getting started. And whatever that is, um, if you will start on that, it'll get you towards that larger objective. Another model that I found that's really helpful and was really helpful for me in my career, having had somewhat a similar career path to what you're describing, um, Yanko, is the book, What Color Is Your Parachute, which comes out every year from Richard Nelson Bowles as a career book. There's a matrix in that book that describes how do you get from where you are to where you want to go? And the matrix, I'll see if I can find a link and get it in the show notes, but on one side of the matrix is the industry you're in, and one side of the matrix is the kind of work that you do. And so a lot of people think about, well, I'm, I'm in this industry that I don't like, or I'm in a job I don't like, and I want to jump to do this entirely different thing. So that is one way that you could make a jump. Um, but another way you can do make a jump is doing the same kind of thing you're doing today, but going to work in an industry that's more aligned with the kind of work you want to do. Or you can do the opposite, of course, which is you know you, maybe you change the kind of work you're doing within your current industry in order to get to that longer objective. So it's two smaller jumps rather than one bigger jump. I hope I explained that correctly. But that's essentially what I did in my work with Carnegie 10, 12 uh, years ago now uh, when I started with Carnegie. Um, I had an experience in sales in a different industry. And so I really wanted to get in and do an instruction and coaching. Um, but it wasn't 
it wasn't going to be really possible to make that jump immediately. So the way I started at Carnegie is I actually jumped and went into the sales part first. And um, and now that I was in the industry that I really wanted to be in, once I was successful at doing the sales piece for a while, then I got more opportunities to to do teaching and training and coaching the kinds of things I really wanted to do. But the the first move was an iterative step in order to get to that longer term objective. And I think for most people, that's probably good advice that Bowles has is to make those smaller jumps versus trying to make massive career changes. So I hope that there's something there that's helpful to you, Yanko. Um, let us know what you decide to do and what action you decide to take and what ends up being most helpful to you. So speaking of actions, one of the actions I would suggest for those of, uh, those of you who are listening, especially if you're listening for the first time, is to check out the free course that we have on the coachingforleaders.com website. The course is called 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead. It is a 10-day audio course. And when you go on coachingforleaders.com and set up your free membership account, you will get access to that course right away. And what I've done is taken um, the best actions over the last five years that we've been talking to leadership experts on this show and have divided them into uh, 10-minute audio segments. There's one per day. There's 10 lessons total. So if you will take 10 minutes a day for 10 days, it will help you to get the best possible actions that will help you to lead more effectively. And it is all designed exactly around what uh, we were just talking about is one thing you can do immediately in each one of those lessons that will help you to move forward to become a more effective leader. So again, if you want to access that course, 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead, go over to coachingforleaders.com. On the main website there, you'll see an opportunity to set up your free membership. It'll activate that right away. There's a ton more membership benefits you'll get for free that are available with that. Um, but that's the the very first thing to get started on for those actions that will help you to lead more effectively. So let's go ahead and uh, move over to the next question here. And Bonnie is going to read the question from Rich. I started supporting a new employee with career conversations. What I thought was normal change curve behavior, new company, new team, new manager, new location, started to get repetitive with negative thoughts like, I don't know why they hired me. The team doesn't talk to me. The manager doesn't support me. I just want to leave. I'm not learning anything, etc. We've had many conversations, often with tears. With a coaching qualification that I'm studying, I was able to gain awareness of advice versus listening. My coaching style can be quite naturally empathetic to build rapport, but I was finding I was getting sucked into a rescuer role, and they appeared to be playing the victim role. This member of staff is very intelligent and has great potential to have a great career, but I feel like there are issues in the past that are holding them back and bringing the victim role out. They come across so dependent on others and circumstances, but I feel like they really need to start taking control of their life, gaining confidence and having the ability to drive their own career. From a coaching perspective, I'm not qualified to deal with any issues in the past, so they need to look into this themselves, or I can try to support by looking forward using different coaching questions. I feel like I need to be putting the emphasis back on them. How can I help you with this or what looks good for you? But I don't know whether past issues are masking the real issue. I'm not managing this person, but I have separate coaching conversations with their previous and current managers, a triangle in more than one way. People started to come to me to talk through issues. This then increased once they knew I was taking a formal coaching course in preparation for a coaching qualification. A bit unusual as doing internal co- coaching within the company. And in this situation, I know all the people in the department. It's very difficult not to give advice 
only when they really make it clear that they want it. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Rich, thanks for asking the question. And this is something that um, actually I've run into in the past, and I think probably other people in our community or listening community have run into too, uh, because there are a lot of folks who listen to the show who, if not interested in coaching as a profession per se, certainly are interested in becoming better coaches, have gone through training to do it, and want to lead more effectively with coaching skills. And so this is a complicated situation, Rich. And so I have a couple of thoughts on this, um, just thinking back to some situations where I've navigated this in internally in organizations and and what you may be thinking about as far as moving forward on this. Uh, one thing that definitely comes to mind for me, and this is this could even be helpful outside of the context of a coaching conversation, is the time that's spent complaining or venting um, versus forward action. So when I think about coaching and even really managing it's and leading, it's about you know, where are we today and how are we moving forward? So I do think that there is an appropriate time and place to give people a opportunity to vent and to uh, to talk about what's going on, and that is just part of what we all need to some extent. Um, at the same time, the balance of a coaching conversation, and really, in my opinion, almost any th- conversation in the workplace should be on, okay, what are we going to do to move forward um, out of this situation? So where is she now? Where does she want to go? And then what's the next step that you and the other members of the team can support her in getting there? And if that's not happening and that's not and there's too much time being spent on the, you know, you know, like you said the triangle situation of, you know, all the problems and the the com- complaints, then I'd be I'd be very cautious about continuing to have coaching interactions. I'm not sure that you're adding a lot of value to her or to the organization. And in fact, it may be causing more harm than good. So I'd be cautious about that. And I think one of the things that you want to think about doing internal coaching, and and particularly in this situation where I'm reading between the lines a little bit on your uh, the couple of emails you sent me in regards to this, is it doesn't sound like you're necessarily a formal coach, but more so you've, you've started to develop your coaching skills and people are coming to you seeking advice. I think one of the things that you may want to do some consideration on are just what are some of the boundaries you want to have set up of, um, you know, what will I help with? What won't I help with? How much time am I going to put into this? And then also, how are the conversations going to go? So even boundaries around, you know, how much time are we going to spend on, you know, talking about, you know, things like venting, but but how do we balance also the conversation on how we're moving forward? And uh, I have have often had an expectation with coaching clients of, you know, there's going to be forward action that we're going to we're going to work on and continue to work on together and if that forward action isn't taken or it's not something they're interested in that's fine that's okay um, but it's probably not a good opportunity for coaching them so i think that that's one of the things you may want to think through rich is what are the boundaries you have and 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 not only have those but are those boundaries communicated to the other parties so the other managers to the people that you're coaching are they aware of the boundaries that you have and the what you are willing to help with and what you're not willing to help with. And here's one example of that, Rich. Earlier in my career, I was part of a formal mentoring program within our within the organization I work for, and I was a mentor, and I would um, mentor younger employees. And, and this was a very formal program as far as people were assigned to have mentors. It was, it was uh, established as a program to develop employees for the next level in their organization. And I would always, at the very first meeting with a new mentee, 
I would talk about some of the boundaries of the relationship. And one of the things I would talk about is confidentiality because we were all employed by the same organization. As a leader in the organization at the time, it was my job as part of the mentoring program to start to develop people to move forward. And so we talked about what was confidential and what wasn't. And I'd often set the expectation that um, almost everything we talk about is confidential, but I'd also set the boundary of not everything is confidential if you say something that I feel like is going to jeopardize your work with the organization or jeopardize your job or something that I that that I feel like is going to be something that's critical for your manager to know that's going to jeopardize your career um, in the company. And one example I would often share with people is if you tell me that you're extremely unhappy with your job and you're searching for a new job, then that's something that I feel like I have a responsibility as a leader in the company to that your manager needs to know about. And so I would tell them if if you ever tell me something like that, I am going to I'm going to tell you that it is time to have that conversation with your manager. And if you don't, I will at some point. And but I would say that at the very first meeting. So that way when we ran into those situations, um either it wasn't a surprise or that person would choose not to engage in that kind of conversation with me. So and I'm not saying that's the right that's the right answer in your situation, Rich, or that's even the right answer in every situation or with mentoring in every organization. But just that I was very clear on what the boundaries were at the beginning of the relationship. And that's something that may be helpful in this situation too. Bonnie, what are what are you thinking on this? I was having lunch with an old friend the other day, and she was talking about some mentoring that she's doing with some at-risk youth. And one of them she was talking about, she had sent her a text message saying, today was the worst day of my life. (laughs) And the reason I bring this story up is because she was describing this young woman as just really having difficulty with boundaries and having difficulty with just a lot of victim-like language. So that you reminded me of that story, Rich. And so what she decided, she took her deep breath and then responded, call three people, ask them how their days are going then let's talk. And attempting to get her to start from a place with more empathy and seeing that, you know, when we go out and do perspective taking on other people, oftentimes our lives look so much better. And I think that other than that, Rich, I wish you the best. I guess one other thought that comes to my mind is that oftentimes we can be much more influenced by the people that we spend time with than we realize. So I I liked Dave's suggestion of setting boundaries and making sure that we are In addition to, yes, helping people, I think that as coaches, as mentors, we can help others reframe things, but ultimately also making sure you're spending time with people that bring a lot of life into your into your life and and bring a lot of joy and and are able to see the positive because, boy, this person like this could really suck a lot of life out of you, I'm sure. How's your LinkedIn profile looking these days? Uh, If you're like me and you're thinking, "Eh, it could look a little bit better, listen up because I've got a good opportunity for you. In about a month from now, I'm going to be having Brenda Bernstein on the show. She is the author of How to Write a Killer LinkedIn Profile and 18 Mistakes to Avoid. In fact, if you go over to Amazon.com and just type in LinkedIn, 
That book is the very first book that shows up. It is a bestseller on Amazon, and Brenda's an expert in really how to utilize LinkedIn well in order to uh, get your profile out there. And we thought it'd be fun, uh, Brenda and I, rather than just having a conversation in general about how to do that, to actually zero in on some of the LinkedIn profiles in our Coaching for Leaders listener community. So if that sounds of interest to you and you'd like us to potentially consider your profile for including in that show and maybe even use it as an example on the show on air, um, send me a LinkedIn request if we're not already connected on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find the LinkedIn button on almost all of the coachingforleaders.com webpages, or you can just search for my name on LinkedIn. And send me a request and let me know in your invitation that you'd like to have your profile considered for us to review for that show. Now, I'm not sure yet how many of them we'll be able to do in the show. Obviously, there'll be a limit. But if you want to throw yours in the hat for consideration, again, send me a request. Um, If we're already connected on LinkedIn, just send me a note on LinkedIn then um, or a message and just say, I'd like to have my profile considered for review, and we will absolutely throw it in the hat. Uh, of course, I can't guarantee we're going to look at yours. Uh, and it, you are agreeing by sending uh, me that message that you uh, agree that it's okay for us to use your name on air and to uh, point out something maybe you could do more effectively in your LinkedIn profile. will be nice, of course. But if you're not interested in that, of course, don't send me a message. But uh, for those of you who are, send me that LinkedIn request. Let me know in your invitation that you are interested in having your profile reviewed so I know that. And it's not just a, a, a typical LinkedIn connection. And I look forward to uh, to getting into detail of that with Brenda, because I think all of us would really benefit from taking a look at what we've got on LinkedIn and how we can uh, utilize that network in order to strengthen our careers and our professional networks. I, I don't know about you, but it's of all the social networks, LinkedIn by far for me is the place that I have the most conversations with members of our community, professionally and make all kinds of connections that are beneficial to me and my network and many of the other people that I work with too. So I'd encourage you to to certainly watch for that show. Uh, Also, I mentioned earlier in the episode that the free Coaching for Leaders membership is available. You can get access to the audio course I mentioned earlier, 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead. One of the other things that you'll get access to when you activate your free membership is the entire podcast library from the last five plus years that Coaching for Leaders has been airing, including a couple of the conversations I mentioned earlier and we'll mention in just a few moments, you can search that by topic. So even if um, today's show wasn't the thing you were thinking about in your leadership, inevitably there's something in there that is directly relevant to the question you have today. Of course, you can always send in a question for us too, but go to coachingforleaders.com, set up your free membership. You'll get access to the entire back catalog that you can search by topic. And you'll also get access to and begin receiving the Wednesday Leadership Guide that I produce that has the show notes for each episode and resources that I found, books, other podcasts, uh, other leadership development resources that I know will be helpful to you. So again, go to coachingforleaders.com for access to all of that. And three of the episodes you're going to find there when you go to coachingforleaders.com are related to today's show. Um, If you're interested in getting more in-depth in coaching, which we talked about today, especially in the last question from Rich, I would encourage you to check out episode 190, How to Improve Your Coaching Skills with Tom Henschel. It's one of my favorite all-time episodes we recorded. Uh, Tom is the host of the Look and Sound of Leadership podcast, a masterful executive coach, uh, and talked in that episode about just some of the core things 
all of us can do as leaders to become better coaches. So again, that's at episode 190. Also check out episode 238. That was with Adam Grant. We talked about how to be a nonconformist. I talked about Adam's book earlier, Originals, uh, when Bonnie and I were responding uh, to the question from Yanko. And that uh, book, if you are starting a new venture this year, or you're thinking about starting a new venture, absolutely listen to that interview. If not, read Adam's book. Again, that's episode 238. I think you'll find that it will really help you to potentially avoid a lot of the missteps that entrepreneurs and uh, professionals take when they're uh, starting a new venture, even if your new venture is something you're doing internally to the organization. So again, episode 238 for that. And finally, episode 259, how to figure out your career. If you're also wondering this year about maybe taking that next career step, but wondering where do you start from? What's the very beginning step? Episode 259 I had on uh, Scott Barlow, uh, host of the Happen to Your Career podcast. Uh, He's really masterful in that episode of walking through what are the things, the big picture things that all of us should be thinking about when we're thinking about making a career transition. So uh, you can get to any of those episodes just by typing in coachingforleaders.com slash the episode number. It will take you right there. And speaking of Tom Henschel, who I mentioned just a moment ago, the host of the Look and Sound of Leadership podcast and also a dear friend of mine, he is going to be back on the show next week to discuss how to grow your professional network, a really important conversation for all of us, especially at the beginning of the year when a lot of us are thinking about getting more effective at reaching out building our networks. Tom's going to be on the show next week to give us a lot of perspective on how to do that well. So I know you'll uh, I know you'll enjoy that a ton. And finally, this week, a huge thank you to all of you around the world who answered my call to action last week for leaving a rating or review on iTunes at the end of the year. So many of you reached out. I am so incredibly grateful. Thank you so much to, uh, in Australia, Angela, Ben, and Rich, and Val also. Thank you so much. In Spain, thank you to Santiago. In Poland, thank you to, to Tomas. It was great talking with you, Tomas. In Portugal, thank you to Hugo. And here in the States, thank you to Lily, Ken, Kevin, John, Warren, MG, Veronica, Jason, Jacqueline, Leroy, Maggie, and Mark, and a whole bunch more folks whose names didn't show on the reviews, but I know who left ratings for the show. Thank you, all of you. I am very grateful for it. I appreciate your support, not only last year, but this year going into 2017. And I'm looking forward to sharing so much with you coming up in the next few weeks, including including information coming in the next week or two on the open applications for the Coaching for Leaders Academy. More coming in the next week or two. Be watching for that. In the meantime, see you next Monday. Take care.